Hello and welcome to the Battle Cry podcast with Mark Meckler. Catch the original live broadcast Sunday nights at 8pm Eastern. Go to conventionofstates.com slash pod to learn more. And now, here's the Battle Cry with Mark Meckler. Good evening everyone, Mark Meckler here with the Sunday Night Battle Cry. And this is a very special edition of the Battle Cry. It's special because I'm with you here. It is Sunday night and it is the day after Christmas. I'm not actually with you. We pre-recorded this, producer G and I, because just like you, hopefully, we're hanging out with our families. We're recovering from Christmas, from probably eating too much Christmas ham or turkey or whatever it is you and your family feast on, carrying out all those wonderful Christmas traditions. Uh, hopefully, you're not too tired of your family. Maybe you're still hanging out with your family like I am in my house. But we didn't want to forget about you on Sunday night because the battle cry is important. Sunday night's important that we reconnect as grassroots. And at this time of year, it's incredibly important that we think about what happened in the past year. When I think about that, we want to kind of recap that. We also want to think about what's going to happen in the year to come. What do we see in our future in the year to come? I, I want to talk briefly about Christmas before we recap, because to me, it's the holiday. It, it is one of the most important holidays of the year for many, many reasons. Like a lot of you know that I came late in life to faith. I became a believer, a Christian late in life at 51 years of age. This coming year, I'll be 60 years old. So it's been about nine years since I came to faith. I grew up in a Jewish household, a secular Jewish household, not a faith-filled household, but certainly a household filled with Judeo-Christian values. Whatever your belief set, whether you're a Christian, whether you're a Jew, whether you're a believer of any kind, if you live here in the United States of America, you live in a country that is influenced and has always been influenced by Judeo-Christian values. You live in the heart of Western civilization, and those values come out of Judeo-Christian values. Whether you know it or not, whether you believe in it or not, those are biblical values. And so that's important. And this time of year, we celebrate, as the cliche goes, the reason for the season and in Christian culture, that reason is the birth of Jesus Christ. Now, many people will tell you Jesus Christ was not historically born on December 25th. The point isn't to actually have the day. The point is to have a day, a day, where we remember the birth of our Savior. And again, if you're not a believer, I'm not counting you out of this. I'm a believer. I believe this is the time of year we celebrate that. But it's important, if you're even a non-believer, you celebrate the birth of these values or the development of these values. These values come from much further back. They come from way back Old Testament values, right? The Jewish part of Judeo-Christian values. So that's what we're celebrating here. I'm celebrating the birth of my Savior, our Savior. You may be celebrating something else, but we should all look back to the birth of Judeo-Christian values, which comes out of our shared Jewish heritage and our shared Western civilization. Incredibly important time of year. For me, as a Christian, again, the time of year to celebrate the birth of our Savior, the greatest miracle in human history is the birth of our Savior, His life, and His resurrection, which we'll celebrate around Easter time. So I think it's important that we sort of anchor in that. Whatever you believe, whether you're a person of faith, whether you believe in God, whether you're Jewish or Christian, whatever your faith, whether you're Muslim, all of these values come out of this lineage, which begins in the Old Testament. So I think that's really important. We root in that stuff. I know my family did. I know we talk about it. I know we, late last night we were having discussions about faith and Christianity, super interesting stuff. But for me, it's a root point in the year. And it's a point in the year when we settle in and we think about what happened in the year past. And by the way, as an organization, this is really important to us too. Not the holiday, but per se, but 
this time of year. As an organization, we practice what we call act, learn, and adjust, right? And so what that means is that you do something. So in this case, we have a year's worth of activities for Convention of States. Then you look at what you've done. You recap, you recount, you go revisit the past. You think about what happened, sort of your annual after action report. And then you adjust and adjusting means you prepare for the new year. So a couple of things I want you to pay attention to. We're about to show a video. Producer G is going to spool this thing up. We're going to see what happened in the last year. I'm going to talk a little bit about that. And then we're going to talk about the year to come. So producer G, go ahead and roll the tape. I would tell you that this is, in my belief, one of the most important votes you'll ever take. The name of our country is the United States of America. It is not Washington, D.C. of America. It's our job to put a stop to it. And we have the ability to do this through Article 5. That was the ripcord in the Constitution. So I walked into the Norfolk Public Library around the time this bill came up, and there were 350 people in the room that cared about this. And I saw folks in that room that I've known for a long time that want to see this question answered on the floor. So states that now need to exercise their authority, granted to us in the Constitution under Article 5. You have the power of the Constitution, the power of your constituents, and the power of history to stand up and reestablish the sovereignty of this great state against an overbearing federal government. The what if we don't do anything is astronomical. We have folks who are volunteers in every single state legislative district in the nation. There is nothing more important you can do to revive the American dream, to stop this march toward despotism, totalitarianism, and socialism, than to call a convention of the states to get this country back on the right track. Convention of States action in partnership with the Trafalgar Group finds 39% of respondents blame Joe Biden for rising inflation, while 25% say Congress is responsible. Look at this Trafalgar, that's Robert Cahaley and Convention of States poll. Only a convention of states will get us back to that place where the states can have their own personalities and the federal government will do what only the federal government can do. That's the reason I joined the convention of the states just a few weeks ago because uh, one of the things I learned from the years that I spent in Washington is that Washington can't fix Washington. You who have the opportunity to use what the founders gave you, entrusted you as the failsafe. You are the last line. Give people hope. Give them a cause to unite behind, to get excited about that, yes, they can make a difference. They can change things, just like our founders intended. But there is another way, and it is right in the Constitution it's right there in Article 5. And the convention is a safety valve giving the people a chance to act if Congress refuses to. Through their state legislatures and without regard to the federal government, the people can demand and participate 
in constitutional conventions, in which they can, through their own action, adopt such amendments as will reverse any trends they see as fatal to true representative government. We need a new, better solution to federal overreach, and my friend Mark Meckler has one. That's why we have Article 5 and the Convention of States project. This isn't about politics, this is about actual solutions. So absolutely, we should as conservatives be for this effort. And the best part, there's not a single thing the feds can do to stop us. May you be a generation that a half century hence can proudly say. We maintained and furthered the American experiment born in 1776 and confirmed in 1789. We made certain that in our time, freedom's flag would be more firmly nailed to the masthead of self-government. In short, we helped the nation to march on in faithful dedication to her own ideals to fulfillment of her destiny. Godspeed. Oh man, every time I see that, I get kind of overwhelmed. There's so much in there and it does a decent job of summarizing 2021, but it can't do it all. All the emotion that I feel, so many of those images that you saw and videos that you saw are places that I went to, people that I met, people that I know, people who are engaged in the movement, people who are engaged in the fight to save the country. I love the history. I love going back and realizing, you know, you've got Limbaugh, you've got Reagan, you've got Eisenhower, all these people understood the necessity and the efficacy of using Article 5, as Eisenhower said, to roll back things that they consider fatal to representative government. This is incredibly important stuff. This is an important mission that you're engaged in. It's a historic mission that you're engaged in. So when I look back, when I see the history, the, the long history, and then when I see the history, the recent history, when I see all the people at all the events when I think about all the wins this year, when I think about winning in the assembly in Wisconsin, when I think about winning in the house in North Carolina, winning in the house in South Carolina, when I look at those hearings and I remember being at those hearings, the thing that jumps out to me about all of those things, it's not the victories so much as the people, all the people that were there at legislative hearings. When I think, when I see the numbers, over 6,000 petitions in Iowa at the state fair, I don't think of the petitions, I think of the people who were there, the grassroots activists who were there doing the work. <clears throat> and I am forever thankful to those people. And to those of you who are watching who are among those people, or those of you who are watching who might be part of those people in the future, I thank you in advance and I ask you to do what they did and to get involved and to be involved. When I look back on the year, there's a couple of really major events that sort of frame up the year for me. And the first is the passing of my dear friend, Senator Tom Coburn. And we lost Tom. That makes it a really rough year. He was a warrior. He was a man who fought to the very end, who died with his boots on. He said he wanted that. He said he would fight to the very end. And he fought to the very end. I remember getting a text from him just a few weeks before he passed saying, I'm afraid I can't work anymore. I wish I could have done more. No self-pity, he was just letting me know he couldn't punch the time card anymore. And he worked until the very end. Absolutely incredible man. I'll never forget Tom, he was a spiritual mentor, he was a friend, he was a giant intellect, he was a good man and a great man. And there aren't a lot of those in the United States of America anymore, probably never have been. 
to meet somebody who accomplishes great things and is also at heart and inside a truly good person. Hard to meet those people. They're not that frequent. And to know that he was also a humble man. He had no delusions of grandeur. He didn't believe himself better than or more than anybody else because he had been a U.S. senator and had all this notoriety. He was a very down-to-earth guy. He is missed deeply and dearly by our Convention of States family, I'm sure by his family as well. And our hopes and our thoughts and our prayers go out to them. We stay in touch with Caroline, his wife, and, and others in the family and others in his friend circle. He forever shaped what it means to call a Convention of States as far as our organization. The year's also framed on the back end by the addition of a new senior advisor. And I wouldn't say to replace Tom Coburn because I think he's irreplaceable, but to stand in the shoes and fill them as best as he can. And that is Senator Rick Santorum, another very good man and a great man, a man who's run for president, a man who was a senator. This is a guy of stature, of substance, of heart, of humility who joined the team here towards the end of the year and has done actually an incredible job of filling the shoes of Tom Coburn as our senior advisor in a different way, in a unique way. One of the things I love about Senator Santorum is when you travel the country with Rick, as I do, what you see is how he connects to grassroots folks, how people love him, how they feel a relationship with him, maybe because they supported him as president. I see that as I travel around. Really impressive. And he's taken our strategy to a whole new level. As a guy who I think is an expert in electoral politics, we've engaged a lot more in get out the vote in electoral politics. We're going to be doing a lot more in 2022. Rick is going to help lead the way and all that stuff for us. So I'm really excited to have Rick on board in 2021 and on into 2022 and the future. He's also now a contributor to Newsmax, so you'll see him a lot more on the air. I'm also excited in 2021 to look back and see our partnership with Trafalgar Group really take shape and mature and grow into something really impressive, polling virtually every single week on what regular Americans think. It's not polling from a ruling elite angle. It's not polling from a legacy media bias angle. This is polling about you, from you. These are questions every week about what the American people are thinking, what they're doing, what they believe. And I think it's important that we understand this as grassroots folks. See, because as a grassroots leader, quote unquote, that's what I am. That's what you are. If you're doing anything in this, you're a leader. It's important that we understand what people really think. Just not what we think alone, but what is what do the greater we think? Personally, yes, but around us. For me, I'm trying to know what you think, what the nation thinks, so that we can reflect that. That's real grassroots leadership. That's servant leadership. So our partnership with Trafalgar Group allows us to do this. Robert Cahaley, Trafalgar are the most accurate pollsters in the United States of America. I think their accuracy comes from a couple of things. One is they like you. They don't have disdain for the people that they're polling. They have respect for the American people. Number two, they understand that people don't always tell the truth to pollsters. And so they work hard to get behind the answers, to get to the truth, to set the questions in a way that reflect reality so that you'll trust them and be honest with them when you're asked these questions. And I think we get the best, most honest polling in the United States of America. Third is Robert's just a genius. <laughs> they use proprietary methods that allow them to get accurate results like nobody else. You saw this in the Virginia election. We saw it in the election of Ron DeSantis, where Trafalgar and Robert Haley predicted that victory long before anybody else. We saw this in 2016 when everybody else predicted Trump couldn't win and Trafalgar understood that he would. 
So I'm really excited about that polling partnership. It brings a lot of attention to Convention of States, gives us a lot of knowledge. We need to make sure we're reflecting you and reflecting the grassroots and the American people at large. Mark Meckler is fighting every day to call the first ever Article 5 Convention of States to drain the swamp once and for all. Join Mark and millions of other Americans by signing the official petition at conventionofstates.com slash pod. Now back to the show. So that's 2021. Now let's look forward to 2022. Here's what's most exciting to me in 2022. So much stuff is teed up right now. Here's a stat that's just mind-blowing to me. In the next 30 days, 46 states will go into legislative session. Almost all the states in the next 30 days go into legislative session. It's incredible. That means I'm going to be busy. I'm going to be on the road a lot. There's going to be some big announcements putting me on the road even more. You guys are going to be busy in your state legislatures, and there's a lot of opportunity out there. Look, we have Nebraska teed up, ready to go. We're going to be on the floor early in Nebraska. I know our team's been working on it. I've been working on it. We have North Carolina teed up and ready to go. That doesn't get into session until later in the year, but that's teed up and ready to go. Pass the House, moving on in the Senate. We have South Carolina teed up and ready to go. That goes in early. We pass the House. We're getting ready to go in the Senate There's so much more going on. In Ohio, we have support of the leadership in both houses of the legislature. In Pennsylvania, the press is on. We've had some great hearings there. It's time to get it done. Looks like redistricting might not go very well for Republicans there. That means this is the year to get it passed. So there's a lot of incredible stuff going on out there, a lot of momentum. Here's the key piece of all of it. We're heading into the new year, right? Everybody makes resolutions going into the new year. I'm not a big fan of New Year's resolutions. I'm a big fan of action. See, activists are active. I know that seems like common sense, but a lot of groups measure their activists by just how many people are on the roster, how many people get emails. For me, it's, are you in action? Are you doing stuff? Are you working towards an end game? Do you have a plan that has action steps that you do that allow us together to achieve something historic? And in our case, broadly speaking, the answer is absolutely. How many times do you get a piece of mail from a Republican candidate or a Republican elected official? And it says, Nancy Pelosi's terrible, Chuck Schumer's terrible, Joe Biden's terrible, Kamala Harris is terrible. And so our plan is give us money. (laughs) That's their plan, right? Give us money. That's not a plan. I mean, I understand why they want you to give money. They want to get elected, but what are they going to do? What are they going to do to save the nation? And my answer is for most of them, I haven't heard any plans. I got a lot of friends out there who are in politics. I'm waiting for their plans. They're good people in office. What are their plans? Mostly their plans are you give them money, we give them money, and then they get elected. That's not good enough. See, at Convention of States, we actually have a plan for saving the nation. And it's not our plan. It's the founder's plan. When 34 states say they want to get a convention together, we get a convention together for a limited purpose. In our case, the purpose is propose amendments that impose term limits on federal officials. That's Congress, but it also includes potentially bureaucrats, staffers, and the judiciary. Number two, impose fiscal restraints on the federal government that could include a balanced budget, tax limitations, spending limitations. Maybe you tie those things to GDP or population plus inflation. It could involve the imposition of generally accepted accounting principles on the federal government. Something, but we have a plan. The third thing is that we impose scope and jurisdictional restraints on the federal government. That's right. What Congress will never do. 
We say, no, you can't be involved in education. No, you can't be involved in healthcare. No, you can't tell the states what to do about their environment or their property or their land use. These are important issues to the American people. No, you can't pack the Supreme Court of the United States of America. We're not going to let you do that. No, you can't take over the election systems in the states. See, these are things that we can do in a convention of states, and that's our plan is to get into convention, have a deliberative body, let amendments be proposed. And to those who are afraid of a convention of states, I say put your fear aside and be brave, be courageous, and let's do something. Those who oppose us, they're either radical leftist tyrants, which remember every single leftist group in the United States of America has the big ones, have all signed a press release, over 250 of them saying we're bad. A convention of states is bad. And on the right, every single nationally known conservative that's commented on the idea of a convention of states is in favor. You've seen the endorser list. You can go look at our endorsers online. So if you're afraid, get over your fear. Be brave. Be courageous. Be an activist. Get involved. Sign up today. Go to conventionofstates.com and sign up. Sign the petition, send it to your state legislator. By the way, even if your state's already passed and 15 have, still send a petition to your state legislator. They have to know you still support what we're doing. They have to know that the pressure is still on to get this done. They have to know that you're still involved and engaged. And then get involved in other things. Click on the Take Action tab at conventionofstates.com. When you click on that tab, it's going to give you a list of volunteer positions that you can say you're interested in, and then somebody's going to contact you personally, directly. They're going to engage with you. They're going to bring you in and welcome you to our family. It really is a family. And then you get training. We're not going to just put you out there and leave you on your own. Convention of States University, the finest grassroots activist training in the United States of America because you are joining the largest self-governing grassroots army in the United States of America. I'm not calling you to a small task. I'm not asking you to do small things. The reason I'm not is because it's not what's necessary right now. The nation requires saving. The republic is at risk. Something's going to happen one way or another. We're going to fail or we're going to succeed. Duty is ours. The results belong to God. That's what John Quincy Adams told us. Duty is ours. means we have an obligation to do the right thing no matter what, and the results belong to God. But what I will tell you is that you don't fight. If we don't fight for the United States of America, it will cease to exist. She will fade from existence. The light of liberty will be extinguished, and it will be happening on our watch. And we have a choice to make. Will we stand? Will we fight? Will we do whatever it takes? Will we be courageous? Will we say as we go into the new year that not on my watch, no way, no how, I'm not standing down. I'm not taking a need of political correctness. I'm not going to go quietly into the night. Will we say that we are going to fight like zealots no matter what? Or will we watch it all fade away? As Reagan said, will your children ask you someday what it was like when men and women were free. I don't intend to allow that to happen. I will fight with every ounce of strength and courage and stamina and life that I have to preserve these United States of America. I expect that you feel the same. You wouldn't be watching this. You wouldn't be with me here tonight if you didn't feel this way. And this time of year specifically is a good time to make that commitment. This time of year specifically is the time to set your path for 2022 to say, 
I'm going to do more next year. I'm going to be more next year. I'm going to fight harder next year. I'm going to fight as if the whole of it depended on me, that the battle was up to me because it is. It's a great burden and great sacrifices will have to be made. This is how it's always been throughout American history. When it was all on the table, when the chips were down, the American people stepped up and they fought and they worked and they committed and they sacrificed. And to date, they prevailed through incredibly difficult times. And so now the question is, are we worthy of that legacy, of that history? And I think we are, and I think you specifically are. And that means it's our time to do something great, to do something important, to volunteer, to be an activist, to be engaged. The founders pledged their lives, their fortunes, and their sacred honors. To what? To a country? No. To an idea? No. To a flag? No. To an army? No. To Washington? No. What did they pledge their lives, their fortunes, and their sacred honors to? To each other. Because they knew what they faced was monumental, maybe even insurmountable. And they knew for sure that if they did not stand together, that they would not prevail. Franklin said that we must stand together or we must hang together or surely we will hang alone. Surely we'll hang separately. That's where we stand today. We must stand together. We must pledge our lives, our fortunes, and our sacred honor to each other. Troubled times will come, no doubt. And the question is, will we stand together? Will we fight? Will we be engaged together? I'll tell you, as we close out this year, as we look back over 2021, as we look forward to 2022 on a personal level, a very personal level for me, I want you to know, you looking me in the eye right now, you personally, I pledge my life, my fortune, my sacred honor to you. I'm going to be in the fight with you. I'm going to stand with you. I'm going to be engaged with you. I'm going to be out there with you. I'm going to be working at least as hard as you do every single day. I'm going to strive to do that to save the nation. I hope you'll join me in doing the same in 2022. It's going to be an incredible year, and I look forward to sharing it with you. God bless you, and we'll see you next time on The Battle Cry. This has been the podcast version of The Battle Cry with Convention of States Action President Mark Meckler. Check out more content at conventionofstates.com slash pod and become part of the solution that's as big as the problem. Thank you for listening.